Thank you for listening to the Crossridge Podcast. Today's message is by Senior Pastor Mark Farnell. For more information about Crossridge Church, visit our social medias or go to our website at crclife.org. We hope you enjoy the message. I certainly hope you are excited to study God's Word this morning. Years ago, God spoke through Isaiah, the Old Testament prophet, and said, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and your ways are not my ways, declares the Lord. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. This passage is a blessing for all of us. This passage fills us with joy, with peace, with comfort, with confidence. God's ways and thoughts are higher than our ways and thoughts. A couple of verses later, God spoke through Isaiah the prophet and said this, my word that comes from my mouth will not return empty, but it will accomplish what I please and it will prosper in what I send it to do. God has a plan and purpose for us, which is best for us. God's plan and purpose for us ultimately is to make us more like Jesus. God's word helps us to understand his plan and purpose for us. God's spirit helps us to fulfill his plan and purpose for us. Our part is to believe God, to believe that his ways and thoughts are higher than our ways and thoughts, to listen to God, to trust God, to obey God in his strength for his glory day by day. The challenge for us as followers of Jesus Christ, one of the greatest challenges we face as followers of Jesus Christ is Satan, our enemy, tries to distract us from God and his plan for us. Satan wants to draw a wedge between me and God. Satan wants to draw a wedge between you and God. Satan wants to discourage us. He wants to divide us from one another. Scripture tells us Satan is the thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Satan wants to steal our joy in God. He wants to kill our fellowship with God. He wants to destroy our witness for God. Therefore, Satan constantly tries to distract us from God and from his plan for us. Some of his favorite distractions will certainly be familiar to you. They're familiar to me. They're distractions that we face on a regular basis. They're probably distractions that we came into this Worship center this morning facing, battling against, maybe even being overcome by. One distraction is our past. Satan loves to use our past against us in the present. He loves to bring up our sins and mistakes and failures from the past to discourage us and to keep us from walking in our forgiveness and freedom in Jesus in the present. Satan doesn't want us to remember that if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just, and he will purify us, he will forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all of our unrighteousness. Satan doesn't want us to remember that when God forgives our sins, he places them as far as the east is from the west. That means God doesn't remember our sins or remind us of our sins anymore. A second distraction is pain. 
Whether it's relational, whether it's physical, whether it's emotional, or any other type or a combination of types, we don't like pain at all. Pain can cause us to question God, his plan, his purpose, and his goodness to us. What happens often is Satan lies to us in our pain. In our times of pain, he lies to us. And he tells us things such as God doesn't see you, God doesn't hear you, God doesn't care about you. You deserve the pain that you are currently experiencing. You deserve your pain because if you had more faith, you wouldn't be dealing with the pain. You deserve it. God doesn't want to do anything for you. God is not able to do anything for you. Lies to us constantly in our pain. The truth is God wants us to turn to him in our pain, to take our pain to him. Paul went to God on three different occasions and asked God to take the painful thorn in his flesh away from him. And God told Paul, no, my grace is sufficient for you. And my power is perfected in weakness. In other words, Paul, I'm not going to take the pain away from you. Paul, I'm going to give you my grace and power to endure the pain by your faith and trust in me. As we take our pain to God, God will remove our pain or he will give us his grace and power to endure in our pain by our faith and trust in him. And God will also remind us as we take our pain to him that we're not home yet. That this world is in our home. Things aren't going to work out the way we want them to work out all the time. He'll remind us, as Paul said, our present sufferings aren't worth comparing to the glory that's going to be revealed to us. And so we understand, as we seek to believe God and to listen to God and trust God, to obey God, we got the distractions that are coming our way. And we know it's one of those distractions that Satan uses our past, he uses our pain. Third is people. People can draw us away from God and one another. This is why God made it so clear to us in his word. Over and over again, God made it clear to us in his word. Be careful who you allow to influence you. Be careful who you spend time with and allow to speak into you. We teach our children this all the time as they grow up. We teach our students this all the time as they are making their way through their teenage years. Be careful who you allow to influence you. We need this reminder as adults as well. Scripture is clear. Scripture tells us, he who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Don't be misled. Don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts good character and morals. Do not make friends with an angry or hot-tempered person, for you will learn his ways and you will entangle yourself in a snare. A gossip separates close friends. A gossip continues conflict. A gossip does not calm conflict. Over and over again, God warns us of the people that we allow in our lives. You see, God has created us for a relationship with him. God created us for a relationship with one another, our brothers and sisters in Christ. But God's created us for relationships with all those he places around us. 
laws. Jesus was asked the question, what is the greatest commandment in all the law? And he responded and said, love God and love people. There's great wisdom, obviously, it's Jesus. Great wisdom in his response. What he was saying was this, as we love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, then and only then will we be able to love our neighbor as ourselves. As we love God with everything that we have, as we live for him, then we'll be able to make the proper decisions in regards to the people we place around us, and then we'll be able to love all those God places around us in his strength for his glory. A fourth distraction that we oftentimes deal with is our circumstances. Circumstances distract us from God because most often our circumstances are unexpected, they're unwanted, and they're beyond our control. We get focused on asking God, why is this happening to me, rather than asking God, what are you trying to teach me? When it comes to our circumstances, we get focused on asking God, why is this happening? Instead of asking God, what are you wanting to teach me? We then get upset with God because of what he's not doing instead of seeking to understand God and what he is doing. Most often, we want to get out of our circumstances, but most often God wants, us to, wants to grow us in our circumstances. And so we have to make sure that we approach them and see them in the proper light. That's why James reminded us, consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials, difficulties, struggles of many various kinds, because you know the testing of your faith develops endurance. Let endurance do its full work. Let endurance have its way in your life so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. We all face distractions on a daily basis. God wants us to respond to his distractions, his way. Distractions cause us to look out, look in, or look up. For the most part, distractions cause us to look out, look in, or look up. One of those three. Looking out at our distraction adds stress to our lives because the more we look at the distraction we're dealing with, the larger and larger and more powerful the distraction appears. The more we focus and think about it, the greater it gets. Looking into ourselves as to our stress, because as we look into ourselves in the midst of the distraction that is in front of us, we know we can't do anything about the distraction. We know we're not powerful enough to move the distraction. And so what discourages us, because it continually reminds us as we look out or as we look in, that we can't do anything about that distraction. Looking up fills us with God's peace. Because as we face those distractions, as we look up to God, God reminds us that he is greater than our distraction. And he reminds us his grace is sufficient for us and his power is perfected in our weakness. And so we can trust and rely on him because he will empower us to respond his way to whatever that distraction is that is before us. Moses understood and battled distractions during his life, throughout his ministry, which is one of the many reasons why he is such an encouragement to us today. 
And so I want to invite you to open your Bibles with me once again to Exodus chapter 3. We're going to continue in our series that we're making our way through this summer uh, titled Think Well, Live Well. We're learning from Moses how we can get out of our own way so that we can think and live God's way. These principles that we have uh, identified already and that we're going to continue to identify this morning were true of Moses years ago, and they're true for you and me today. They blessed Moses years ago, they'll bless us today. They encouraged Moses years ago, they will encourage us today. They were for Moses years ago, they're for us today. These principles that we see in this passage will help you and me today and this week to think and live God's way. They'll help us Uh, in our daily lives, to respond the way God wants us to respond, that all that is going to come our way. So let's look at these principles. The first couple we've already identified the past couple of weeks, so I'll just hit them uh, real quickly. The first principle is God comes to us with his plan for us. God made this clear in verses 1 through 5 of Exodus chapter 3. God came to Moses with his plan for Moses. God came to Moses through the burning bush, as we've been discussing. And we know that Moses didn't go to God with his plan for God to approve, bless, and fulfill for him. God came to Moses with his plan for Moses. And the same is true for you and me. God comes to us with his plan for us. God knows how to get your attention, and he knows how to get mine. More than likely, it's not going to be a burning bush. It might. More than likely, it won't. Oftentimes, it is circumstances, pain, people. Oftentimes, it's those very distractions that God is using to get our attention. We don't go to God with our plan for God to approve, bless, and fulfill for us. God comes to us with his plan for us. God comes to us by his grace through our faith in Jesus. God shares his plan for us by his spirit in us. Remember, God's plan for us will always be God-sized. God's plan for us is not based on what we can do for God. It's based on what God will do through us as we walk in obedience to him. God's plan for us reveals his authority over us, and God's plan for us calls for intimacy with us. As we humble ourselves before God, as we draw near to God, God reveals his plan for us to us. He shares his plan for us to us by his spirit in us through his word before us. And so we understand This wonderful truth that we have identified early on with Moses. God comes to us with his plan for us. Second point, the second principle is God is in control, not us. God made this clear in verses 6 through 10. We look again at Exodus 3, verse 6. Then God continued, I am the God of your father, Moses, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Notice in verse 6, God connected Israel's past with Moses' present. God told Moses, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. God remembered his covenant with Abraham. And God reminded Moses of his covenant with Abraham because God was going to use Moses to fulfill that covenant. God told Moses in this passage, and we'll look at it again here in just a few moments, He told Moses, I am sending you to Pharaoh. Go, Moses, go. I am sending you, you, Moses, are going to be the one to lead my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And for you and me today, this is a great reminder to us. 
God comes to us with his plan for us, and God is in control, not us. It's a great reminder to us that we can rejoice in the Lord today. We can rest in the Lord today because God is still in control today. Amen? We live in an out-of-control world, but we have a very in-control sovereign God. And so we can trust and rest and rely on this. As the psalmist said, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. It's all God's. And so we know and understand we can rest in God. God is in control. He knows what he's doing with us, in us, through us, and around us. We know this. And so as Moses found out, we see in our own lives, not only the testimony of Scripture, but the testimony of our own lives, that God comes to us with a plan for us, and, and God is in control, not us. And then we look at the third principle that we see in this passage, and it's simply this. God's plan for us is clear to us. God's plan for us is clear to us. I love what we see here in this passage. Look with me. God saw the Israelites in misery and bondage in Egypt. God heard, as we've been discussing, the Israelites' cries for help and deliverance from Egypt. And so we see in verses 9 and 10, as God's speaking to Moses, he tells Moses in verse 9, So because the Israelites' cry for help has come to me, and I have also seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them, therefore go. Say that with me out loud. Therefore go. I am sending you to Pharaoh so that you may lead my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. God's plan for Moses was clear to Moses. And here's his plan. Go to Pharaoh. That's it. Go to Pharaoh. Go literally means in the Hebrew, go. You got it. Come now, depart, move, walk. That's what he was saying. This was an imperative. In the original language is an imperative. It's a command from God to Moses. Remember the setting. Moses was on the far side of the wilderness near Horeb, the mountain of God, also known as Mount Sinai. Pharaoh was in his palace back in Egypt. The Israelites were in misery in Egypt. And through the burning bush in that wilderness, God came to Moses and commanded Moses, go. I need you to go. You must follow me by faith to Egypt. Go to Pharaoh. He's in Egypt. You need to go, Moses. Notice this. Don't miss this. Moses could not stay where he was and go with God. He couldn't stay where he was and go with God. Moses literally had to go. He had to move. He had to depart. He had to leave. He had to walk out his faith in God. He had to walk by faith in God to Egypt because God's plan for him was clear. Go to Pharaoh. Go to Pharaoh. Go to Pharaoh. God's plan for us is clear to us. I firmly believe God's plan for you is clear to you and God's plan for me is clear to me. God shares his plan with us, as we've mentioned, by his spirit in us. So as we humble ourselves before God and draw near to God, we've said that he will share his plan for us, with us, by his spirit in us. God's plan for us is clear to us. God's plan will always be consistent with God's word. Always. God's plan will always be consistent with God's word. God's plan is always, always, always 
Go, follow me by faith. Follow me by faith. That's God's plan for you. That's God's plan for me today, to this afternoon, this evening. It's to follow him by faith. We can't stay where we are and go with God. I can't stay where I am right now and go with God. I've got to follow him by faith. And the same is true for you. I can't get ready for all that God has for me today if I'm not willing to follow him today. I can't get ready for all that God has for me this week if I'm not willing to follow him this week. I've got to go. I've got to go. You have to do the same thing. Moses had to do that. Now here's a key point that we must Always keep in mind, God's plan for us is clear to us, but God's plan for us is not always detailed. Yeah, you responded a lot, a lot like I do. Get this now. God tells us what we need to know, not all we want to know. God tells us what we need to know, not all we want to know. And this is at times where the rubber meets the road. We're going to see it with Moses. He tells us what we need to know. Not all we need to know because that leaves the space that is designed and desired by God so that we can follow him by faith. He tells us what we need to know. Not all we want to know because we still have to follow him by faith. And here's what we learn. As we go, based on what he shared with us, he fills in the blanks and answers our questions. He fills in the blanks. He's got it. He'll answer our questions. Now, I want you to know, it's not wrong for us to ask God questions it's not wrong for us to ask him questions about his plan for us. It's not wrong to ask God for a little bit more details about his plan for us as long as we ask from a heart of faith and willingness to obey. That's key. As long as we ask from a heart of faith and willingness to obey. I think back into the New Testament, Luke's account. Angel of the Lord came to Mary and said, Mary, you found favor with the Lord. You are going to give birth to a son, and you will give him the name Jesus, for you'll be the son of the most high God. Mary asked a question. She asked for a detail. She said, how can that be since I've not been with a man? The angel of the Lord answered her question. And this is what Mary said immediately. I am the Lord's servant. May it be done to me according to your word. She followed God by faith. I am the Lord's servant. May it be done to me according to your word. What does that statement stem from? A heart of faith and willingness to obey. So God's plan for us is clear to us. He shares his plan by his spirit in us. And it's always going to be inconsistent and in line with his word before us. His plan is not always detailed, so we need to get that in our minds. We need to understand it's not always going to be as detailed as we may want it to be. God's going to share with us what we need to know, not all we want to know, because he's going to leave room that we have to follow him by faith. As we're going to learn with Moses here in just a minute, it's easy for us to resist going 
with God because we get caught up with questions about going for God. It's very easy for us to resist going because of our questions about going. It's easy to get caught up on the details and miss out on the faith. And when we step out in faith and go, God, as we said, he fills in the blanks, he answers our questions, and he grows our faith, which is exactly what he wants to do. And so God, has, God comes with his plan for us. He's in control, not us. And God's plan for us is clear to us. The fourth principle we see is God promises to be with us. Look at this uh, as we continue in verses 11 and 12. But Moses asked God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He answered, that being God, I will certainly be with you. Say that with me out loud. I will certainly be with you. And this will be the sign to you that I am the one who sent you. When you bring the people out of Egypt, you will all worship God at this mountain. Notice this. God said, Moses, I will certainly be with you. God promised Moses, I will certainly be with you. I will be there with you. God called Moses, God equipped Moses, and God was with Moses. Moses, no matter what I call you to do, I will be with you. Moses, no matter where I call you to go, I will be with you. In other words, Moses, you're good. Now go, follow me by faith. God promises his presence with us. God promises to be with us. God calls us, God equips us, and God is with us. He's with us. We see this throughout Scripture. Old Testament and New Testament, God continued to tell the heroes of Scripture, men and women, that he was with them. He tells that same truth to you and me today. Jesus said, come follow me, and I will make you fishers of people. Jesus commanded us in the Great Commission, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe and obey everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus literally said, remember, I mean, he's sharing the great commission. These are some of his final words before he ascended into heaven to sit at the right hand of the throne of God. His final words of instruction and encouragement for you and for me. And he says, remember, and man, we're talking about final words. You're talking about important words. As a parent, when we're talking to our kids, generally we, we save those words of power. We save the best words for the end because we want to leave them with the best stuff. As a coach, you want to leave your team with the best stuff, the most important stuff, the singular things that are most necessary for winning at the very end because they'll forget everything else that was said before. Jesus shared the commission with us and he said, remember. He said, oh, remember, don't you forget. I am with you always. When? Always. To the end of the age. God's presence with us is important to us. God's presence with us makes the difference for us. That makes the difference. So when we're thinking about thinking well and living well, we're looking at the example of Moses. God comes to us with his plan for us, and he's in control, not us. And he makes his plan for us clear to us. 
And then as if that's not good enough, and it is fantastic, he promises that he will be with us. Now, I want you to see through the example of Moses, same is true for us. God's presence with us fills us with perspective. God's presence fills us with perspective. No matter what God calls us to do, he is with us. No matter where God calls us to go, he is with us. God is with you and he is with me. We fulfill God's plan and purpose for us by his power and wisdom, not ours. So as you leave today and you go to your uh, mission field, as you leave to go today and go to the congregation that God has given to you today in this week to minister to all those God's placed around you, he's with you. As you go into the office place, he's with you. As you go into those meetings, he's with you. As you go into the workplace, he's with you. As you are in the home raising your children, he's with you. As you are out and about in activities and extracurricular uh, sporting events or other types of activities, he's with you. As you're out studying in class, he's with you. Wherever you go, he's with you. As you're on the road, he's with you. As you're at home, he's with you. In the morning, he's with you. In the afternoon, he's with you. In the evening, he's with you. This is a perspective that we need. God's presence fills me with perspective. God's presence also fills me with peace. Since God is with us, we know we're never alone. Since God is with us, we have no reason to be afraid. Since God is with us, we have no reason to be stressed. Since God is with us, we can depend on him. Since God is with us, he leads, we follow. That fills us with peace. It's that perspective of knowing he's with us that that helps us to live at peace. It's not on us. I think God's presence fills us with power. Greater is he who's in us than he who's in the world. We know we can be strong in the Lord and in his vast strength, as Paul said. Since God is with us, we know that he will empower us to fulfill his plan for us. So God's promise of his presence is amazing for you and for me. His plan is clear to us and he promises he will be with us. Perspective helps us to think the way God wants us to think. Peace helps us to feel the way God wants us to feel. Power helps us to act the way God wants us to act. And his presence speaks to each one of those for you and for me. So when we start to think about all those distractions, they don't look as big. They don't look as difficult. They don't look as challenging. They are big. They are challenging. They are difficult. No doubt about it. But we also begin to realize and focus on the reality that instead of focusing on the distraction and trying to see God through the distraction, we can now focus on God and we can see the distraction through the eyes of God. And we know that distraction is not near as big because our God is greater and he's with us. And I know Based on his word, he's going to be with me. Do I hope and pray he's going to give me a lot of details for his plan for me? Yes. Yes, yes, please, God. Do I hope and pray he's going to remove the distraction from me? Absolutely, yes, God, please take the distraction away. Do I hope that he's going to remove that pain from me? Yes, God, please take it away. Do I hope he's going to move that person away from me who just continues to, to, to uh, make me more like Jesus? Um, probably not going to take that person away. If he's using that person to make you more like Jesus. You see, he wants to use that person to make you more like Jesus. That person is wanting to be used by the enemy to drive you nuts and drive me nuts. Sometimes we are that person 
for others. So we don't want to get too caught up on the other people because sometimes people are saying that same thing about us. We may be that person at times. Yes, we want those things, but what we know is whether God does or doesn't, what we do know is he's with us. And his grace is sufficient. His delivering, forgiving, loving, rescuing, saving, strengthening grace. It's more than enough for us. More than enough. So what is our application? As we look at this, as we've talked about these points leading up to this, and we've looked at application of humbling ourselves before God and drawing near to God. What's our application this morning? It's real simple. Trust God. Trust God. God's plan for us is clear to us. God promises to be with us to trust him. Trust God. Let me give you four quick reasons to trust God. You'll see these. You understand these just like I do. Four quick reasons to trust God. Number one, God knows what we don't know. God is omniscient. He's all-knowing. Think about this. God has never been surprised, stressed, or shaken, ever, by anything or anyone at any time. And think about this. God created us, and so he knows everything about us. He knows our thoughts. He knows everything we do, everything we say. He knows. We can trust him because God knows what we don't know. We can trust God because God hears what we can't hear. Number two. Number three, we can trust God because God sees what we can't see. God hears what we can't hear and God sees what we can't see. What does that mean? It means this. God is omnipresent. He's everywhere all the time. God hears us and sees us, and God hears others and sees others. As Solomon told us in Proverbs 15, verse 3, the eyes of the Lord are everywhere, observing the wicked and the good. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, observing the wicked and the good. No one or nothing gets past God. We don't. Others don't. No one or nothing gets past God. We can trust God because he knows what we don't know. We can trust God because he hears what we can't hear. He sees what we can't see. We can trust God because he can do what we can't do. He does what we can't do. Our God is omnipotent. He's all-powerful. God displayed his omnipotence in the most extreme manner when we look at creation. When God said, let there be, and there was. That's why we say often, and we sang about this earlier this morning, there is no one greater, there is no one higher, there is no one like our God. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. Our God is higher than any other. And so we know that we can we should trust God today, tonight, throughout this week? We can, we should trust God. As we know Solomon told us, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your understanding. Think about God in all your ways, and he'll make your path straight. As David says, some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They collapse and fall. We rise and stand firm. The point that we're going to see, and I can't wait to get in this passage, it is so difficult not to dive into verses 11 and 12 that we just looked at. There is such good truth, and I can't think of a better day than Father's Day next Sunday to dive into it, because man, there's amazing truth in verses 11 and 12 that we're going to get to next week. But what we see here in this passage, if you want to boil it all down to what's going on here, 
God wanted Moses to trust him. God wants you and me to trust him. God wants us to trust him today and every day. God wants us to trust him with our life, with our circumstances, with our finances, with our health, with our relationships. Listen. God wants us to trust him with our past, our present, and our future. We can trust God because he is faithful, righteous, and trustworthy. He's trustworthy. As parents, we teach our kids all the time, trust, trust, trust. Trust me. I can remember many times being in a pool. And saying to my daughters, trust me. Jump, jump. Their fear of the water was real, but I wanted them to know I'm your father. You can trust me. I'm going to catch you. God is our holy and heavenly father. He's a great and almighty God. And so often we stand on the edge of our lives and kind of like on, on the stage and we're holding on to our circumstances, our, our health, our finances, our relationships, our past, our present. Our future. We're holding on to all kinds of stuff. And our Father God, he says to us, trust me. Trust me. I'm your heavenly, holy, loving, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent Father. I love you. I will catch you. I will take care of you. It's going to be okay. And we show God that we trust God by our obedience to God. When he says go, we go. When he says walk, we walk. When he says come, we come. When he says jump, we jump. When he says trust, we trust. It's like the words to the old hymn remind us, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Never go wrong. Today, tonight, this week, trusting God. I think the psalmist said it best. Blessed and happy is the man and woman 
who trusts in you, Lord God. Let me ask you to bow in prayer. A worship team's gonna come and lead in this time of response. And it's real simple. God wants us to trust him. The altar is open as it always is for you to come and kneel and, and pray. Maybe by yourself, maybe you want to grab a brother in Christ, a sister in Christ, a, your husband, your wife, whatever the case may be. This is our opportunity to respond. As we said, God has been speaking to us. We sang our praises to God and worshiped him through song. He's now spoken to us through time in the word. And now we respond. We're going to worship him by responding to him by faith and obedience. And so God's asking us to trust him. So whatever that is for you, I don't know what that is, but you do because he's making it clear to you by his spirit in you. Whatever that is, trust him. Trust him. Take it to him and let it go. And ask him to give you the strength and the courage to follow him by faith without holding on whatever that is can't stay where we are and go with God we gotta follow by faith sir ma'am if if what God's asking you to trust him with is your life then we want to invite you to receive the gift of salvation the greatest decision you can make our pastors our ministers will be standing here at the front they'd love to pray with you pray for you they'd love to introduce you to Jesus Jesus loved us so much he sent his son to earth to take our place on the cross and to pay our price for sin. Jesus lived a perfect life. He was tempted as we are, yet he never sinned. He died a perfect death on the cross of Calvary. He was buried in the tomb on the third day. He rose again victorious over sin and death for you and for me. He's alive. And the only way that we can enter into a relationship with the perfect God, we who are imperfect and unholy, is through the perfect and holy sacrifice of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. We place our trust and faith in Jesus. We place our trust and faith in His death, burial, and resurrection for us. God counts our sin to Christ and He counts the righteousness of Christ to us. And then we simply fall before the Lord and we repent of our sins. We confess them to God and then we just ask God to save us, to come into our life, to take over and to take charge. We receive his gift of salvation by our faith in Jesus, and he'll do just that. And we would love to encourage you in that decision to pray with you, to pray for you, to encourage you as you begin your walk with the Lord. God's speaking. He's made his word clear to us this morning. Trust him. Trust him trust him. Let's stand and respond in obedience to him.